1430 and Talk 96.7 present Ask the Preacher with your host, Jonathan Freed. This is a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered. And it's sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Believers Fellowship Church is located in North Lakeland on North Socrum Loop Road. Well, well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Ask the Preacher program. Today is uh, Friday the 19th. Who's uh? What does that mean? Who's uh? Yeah, celebration. It's Friday. All right. Woohoo! Friday! It's Friday today. High school football is kicking off in a, a lot of places uh, this week. So uh, I will be going to the Lakeland versus Armwood game in just a little bit here. So that's nice. exciting. Just exciting time of life. We'll see how hot it is out there on the field. Uh, well, everybody, you heard his voice. Welcome into the studio, Mr. George Locke. Yes, yes. Hello, everybody, all you beautiful people. Thanks for having me here, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, George, tell them how uh, they can join us if they desire on the program today. Believe it or not, it is the same number you can call every week. It's 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. You can call in, ask a question, join in on the conversation, give us your thoughts, your comments. You can also go to askthepreacher.com. And you can submit questions there. If you do on the form, we'll do our best to answer them on the following shows. You can also find the phone number and check out previous episodes. So again, 863-682-1430. Thank you, George. And uh, thanks for listening to the program. I, I hope we're a, uh, a blessing to you. Um, I've gotten a few calls over the, the last week or so. Asking about election stuff, people know that we're engaged in uh, in what happens locally, especially um, as well as what happens around the state and the nation um, from from a godly and and biblical perspective. As a matter of fact, I, I've got a I've got a couple phone calls today that I can't talk about. Just blows my mind of what God is doing around the nation and and even giving us some connection and some access to things and and um, I, and 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 so I was just thinking about about it in, in this light, Georgia, and the reason I'm talking about this because of the election, uh, the primaries in, in Florida, end on August the 23rd, which is just a few days away, this this coming Tuesday. So early voting is open right now. Um, mail-in voting is open right now, or absentee ballot, I should say. it. That's the way Florida does it, absentee balloting. Um, but then the polls are open on August the 23rd, and then it's over, or at least supposed to be. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, I, I'm thinking about our sense of morality in our nation, our our morality in our local communities, in our society here in the Lakeland area. Um, we keep bringing that closer to home, our morality in our own homes, um, our morality in our own lives. And um, I, I, so in pondering these things over these last couple of days and thinking about this this program, George, you and I talked about this uh, a little bit before starting. Um, how how much offense and bitterness and anger and and a, and a bad a wrong statement about me and how I retaliate and in this um, we didn't use this word uh, vitriol and and how how all of this man. It's kind of kind of rough out there right now in society. We're we're really seeing a lot of um, uh, sometimes we call it hatred, but 
I want to I want to take a slightly different look at it. There's been a lot of people that have just been quiet and asleep and have done nothing about situations for a long, long, long time. And then now that people are finally speaking up, um, other people who have been putting out ugliness for a long time are offended. They're mad about it. They've. Um, let me be specific. People that push certain agendas uh, into society that are ungodly. Um, and I'll name it, the homosexual agendas, um, agendas of laziness and entitlement, uh, all these types of agendas that become destructive to a society. And now that people are kind of tired of getting taken advantage of, and then they're standing up for the defenseless, like standing up for children that don't, don't really have an ability to defend themselves. And so now that there's this stir, um, the the dark side, the duh is offended, you know, and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And to be specific, I'm thinking about um, what happened the other day at the school board meeting um, when when some of the sitting school board members are just so angry and 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 talked about how they've been treated badly and and uh, and and a variety of other things that came out in that in that meeting. And I'm thinking, you know, some of that shouldn't have happened. Uh, nobody should be treated necessarily uh, badly. But when you look at it, you think, man, there is a bunch of, of, of parents that are just angry over the fact that agendas have, are being pushed down the, 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 the throats of our, our children, that it's in our libraries and in our schools, and, and people are angry. And, and, and so in the process of all this, there is a, a right way to conduct ourselves. There is a right way to deal with things. And more specifically, um, there is a, a, a right way to deal with false accusation, uh, if something is said about me that is wrong, how do I how do I deal with it? Um, I think about this scripture. Time flies by so fast. I only got like one and a half minutes till we got to go uh, for a break. But I think about this scripture that that Paul. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Some people don't, but whatever doesn't matter. But Hebrews chapter twelve, um, he says. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, we just finished in chapter 11 talking about this great cloud of witnesses, all these great people of, of faith that accomplished great things for God um, in biblical history. So, But he says, so seeing that, that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, so now he's talking about me, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Now, that's how it says it in the in the King James, uh, easily beset us. I like to say it this way, lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily knocks us off course, slows us down, drags us down. Say it, yeah. And he goes on to say, and let us run with patience the race that is set, set before us. Um, there are so many things that can anger us, uh, offend us, cause us to lose our focus, cause us to lose... Uh, our traction, um, and they just knock us off course. How do we deal with these issues in life? And the reality is everybody deals with them. This is not a, a Christian problem. <laughs> this is not uh, only people that believe in Jesus ever have this problem. No, everybody who uh, breathes on the face of the earth at some point in time has to face an issue of maybe they're wrongly accused uh, or maybe they've gotten mad about something, um, an occasion, whether they deserved it or didn't deserve it, whatever. How do we respond to these issues? How do we keep focus? Uh, how do we forgive? How do we be forgiven? How do we stay light uh, on our shoulders and not carry the burdens of these things? So that will be some of the subject matter of our discussion right today. On. 
Well, you are listening to Ask the Preacher. Just a reminder, you can call in 863-682-1430. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered with Jonathan Freed. Well, I guess this that would be me. program is sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yeah, that, that would be me. <laughs> that is twice now you've jumped the gun. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My timing is off today. Uh, so excited. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I want to push back real quick. Yeah. So, George, I wanna, George I said help during clarify. the break, John, you're wrong. So, no, yeah, I threw a water bottle at him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think what John was saying in that conversation is, uh, there are great times to be uh, full of anger. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. That's correct. Uh, the Bible says, be angry, just don't sin or don't violate God's law, because that's what sin is. It's violation of God's law. So anger is a neutral, and it's okay to be angry and, and even have righteous uh, indignation, indignation and, yep. and stand up against evil. And... Uh, I don't think John and he he clarified and I'm sure he'll clarify we know you again. Don't think, George. We were not uh, chastising. John was not <laughs> chastising the parents for standing up. Quite the opposite. No, quite the opposite. Uh, yeah. He was chastising people getting offended at their um, whether it's wrongdoing or or what some folks might think is wrongdoing. He was uh, calling out their being offended. And the whole conversation of today is how do we deal with that emotion and how do we deal with those situations, uh, whether we are justly called out for something that we're doing wrong, because, hey, that happens. Everybody except sure. me makes mistakes from time <laughs> to time. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes we got to be called on it. And other times you get wrongly accused and so, so you got to deal with that too. So you you mentioned um, you know it was it was uh, Jesus who who got angry, and um, there were times where he was moved with compassion and he mm-hmm. stretched out his hand to heal, and then there was another time where he was moved with anger and he stretched out <laughs> his hand and he whipped the money changers right out of the temple, um, with the ultimate intention of also healing, healing them of their wrongdoing. <laughs> Correct. And I guess the paddle on the backside is ultimately for our good. That's absolutely true. Um, and and so uh, the, the, the movement of anger or compassion or these things that we might consider to be emotions, and sometimes they, they dip over into the emotional realm, they can. That is where we have to be careful, where it starts to, to move our emotions which is part of the soulish and the mental part of us, the brain part and the, yeah. the, the me part. But then there's, you use the term righteous indignation, Th- then there is this anger or even a compassion on the opposite spectrum, opposite side, that is directed by the will of God, that is directed by the Word of God, uh, by the Spirit of God. So, for instance, when... The little boy David, he's not King David yet, he's just a little shepherd boy David, is angered. Who dare defile the armies of the living God? And speaking of Goliath, he, um, Goliath comes and he's mocking God and he's mocking Israel. The little boy, 14 years old, roughly between 14 and 17, um, comes, comes up on the scene and he's angry that somebody would mock his God. He doesn't go, oh... 
poor Goliath. No, he, who dare, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dare mock my God and the armies of the living God? And so with anger, he picks up a stone, but it's a different kind of anger. It's not just an emotional, you pushed my buttons kind of thing. It is a righteous defense. Um, let me get specific. I see this book issue that is in the Polk County Libraries as a righteous defense of our children. Um, and, and some, you know, I've heard all of the arguments. Well, maybe I haven't heard them all. I've heard a lot of the arguments where people say, there's only a few books. Those books are hardly ever checked out. Well, I get that. And I'm glad for that. Trust me. I'm delighted with that. But you, you want to know what just, it breaks my heart, but at the same time stirs me to a passionate action, uh, a righteous indignation, if you will, um, that we would actually have school board members, leaders in our communities, people that are responsible, that defend this uh, type of material for its ability to be in front of or accessible to our children. That's what bothers me. And then you have parents who rise up, and and, and then you, you have parents who potentially rise up the wrong way. So there's a proper way to deal with these things. If we let anger move us in in our emotional realm, um, we end up making wrong decisions based on a right cause, and that can be detrimental to the purpose. We make wrong decisions based upon a right cause, and we end up causing more harm than good if we're not mindful and and careful of that. Um, I, I read a moment ago out of Hebrews 12, Verse 1, seeing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin that easily knocks us off course, and with patience run the race that's set before us. If you go down just a, uh, just a, a couple more verses in verse 15, 15, I was thinking it was 5, but, um, but it's not. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many are defiled. So what happens is this bitterness comes up, and we end up acting according to bitterness rather than acting according to righteousness. And that's where we have to be careful. Um, and so, you know, some some people that I, that I love very dearly, uh, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ— we're both recently uh, deeply offended over uh, over an issue, and uh, it's an important issue. Even in society, it's a very important issue, and um, and I, I, I witnessed as part of and trying to to help my brothers and help my sister um, in in this maneuvering of this situation, and oh, I was just brokenhearted many times over because I, I saw, um, you could see the pain in people's life, things that they've experienced in the past. Um, you could see different areas where an individual would have pride in a particular area and have protected a certain area of their life so diligently that now that there's any type of seemingly chink in that armor, if that makes sense, um, that they're just they're they're just so bothered by the idea that there could be a fault, and I, and so I'm I'm thinking of these of these crazy extremes that that people find themselves in, um, somebody entirely broken because of of tough stuff that has happened in their life, 
and then somebody else who has really built up a structure, uh, do everything they can to to, to build up a, a strong, uh, fortified uh, castle and protecting certain certain areas of their life. And you find out that no matter what, people are vulnerable. Um, people can can be hurt and injured. And, and if we're not careful, we, we act out of hurt. Um, we act out of our vulnerability. Have you ever tried to pet George a dog that was injured? Uh, it's yep. It's kind of dangerous. It's kind of risky. Unless that dog knows you very well, it's actually very yeah, risky yeah, to, to reach out. out. Yeah. yeah. And so that dog is, is uh, he doesn't mean to be angry, but he's protecting himself. Um, and so I, I think about these ideas of when, when stuff happens in life, um, we, we must be careful. Um, I know we haven't gotten into a lot of, a lot of Scripture, but um, we have to righteously, if we're going to defend ourselves at all, it's got to be in a righteous way. And it's much more righteous to defend others more so than it is to defend ourselves. I find it interesting. The, the verse you read a moment ago, it was talking about be careful that you don't get bitter lest you find yourself defiled. And if everybody who, who's been listening to this show, if you guys remember, I'm a nerd. I think everything in the Bible is there for a very specific reason. Yes. I like to pick things apart. That word defile is interesting because there's a difference between finding yourself unclean, which scripturally means you violated the law, you can't be before the presence of God, and then being defiled. And... Uh, with the short amount of time that we have, I, I find it interesting that either way, whether you're on the extreme where you have um, built up these walls or you're the extreme where everything offends you, the antidote to either one is Jesus. And I don't yes. say that um, cliche in a way. I say it as... as um, if you listen to to the deep truth of Jesus and the reality of how we actually enter into a relationship with him. It's it's almost like uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago, the eye of a needle, right? It's more difficult for uh, a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is to put a, 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 a large, a rope, large rope, a cable or a camel. It's probably more likely a cable. We can go back a couple weeks ago and listen to that episode. But it's, it's easier to put a rope through the eye of a needle than it is to, to have a rich man enter the kingdom. And we talked about how that really is uh, most likely, in my opinion, thus saith George, mm -hmm. not thus saith the Lord. But uh, if you're trying to put a rope through the eye of a needle, it requires you to strip down all of the outer parts of the rope and just get to the, get core, to the core thread. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's what uh, is required to avoid this offense and how Jesus... he. To, to really enter into the relationship, that gift is free, the grace is there, but then to actually continue in the relationship with him, to be in a relationship with Jesus, it, it takes us to be stripped away and either tear down our walls or be extremely vulnerable. If everything yeah. offends you, be extremely vulnerable before Jesus and and the, let him offend you. The, He's a rock picture, of offense, and he'll do a great job at it. <laughs> that's, that's true. The, the, the real picture is to, to humble ourselves yeah. in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift us up. He yeah. becomes our defense. He becomes our buckler and our shield. Uh, he becomes our righteousness. Uh, when we strip away all of this um, uh, image that we've made for ourselves, 
and we just let ourselves be found in Christ. We let him take care of us, and, and he does a really great job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Folks, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. It is the bottom of the hour. Uh, we've got to take a break for a few minutes. I hope you enjoy the break time with Kim Commando. But we will be back. We'll pick up the conversation, give you some other thoughts, um, some scriptures as well. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Preacher with Jonathan Freed, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered. It's sponsored by Believers Fellowship Church. Sometimes I wish the mic was live during the breaks. George and I get into some huh, amazing in conversations. I think the conversations during the break are, are better than the than we're than when we're live because we'll say sharper stuff to each other. Yeah, I won't get yelled at. I won't get in trouble. I, I try to keep it very uh, nerdy and and, and yeah, but uh, believe it or not, I'm quite passionate about some of these subjects, folks. Yeah, and, uh, and and George has uh, very strong views. Uh, okay, so now the people are wondering what we're talking about during, during <laughs> yeah. the break. So we ended up talking some about uh, the, the library book issue, and, um, and George made the statement, well, I think a kid, you know, they're... I'll phrase it because I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, there's a big difference between an educator saying your child has to read this book in order to pass a course and a, a book that promotes godlessness or is pornographic in nature or yeah. things like that. Um, so you said th that is, I think, ridiculous and shouldn't be done. But on the flip side of it, taking a book out of the public library, I'm totally against. I think every book should be available. No matter what the book is, it should be available for the public library, but it is your responsibility as a parent to know what your child is looking at. Uh, and so then that, to that I said, but you can't go into the school and sit there with your kid and find out what he's reading in the library, what he's, you know, correct. you might be able to control what he's checking out to yeah. some degree, but you can't sit there in the library, to which you then said. Take your kid out of school. Why do you want to send your child to be raised by somebody else for eight hours a day to have joint custody with a stranger so you get to watch your kids sleep at night and have them on the weekends? Take your kid out of public school. Educate them at home. Work at night or educate them at night when you're working during the day. I don't know. Figure it out. People did it for thousands of years before the Federal Department of Education. Your number one responsibility after being a husband or a wife is being a parent and knowing what your kids are doing and raise them to be better than you are. That's my strong view on it. <laughs> it's a it's a good view. My whole family is in education. That is a that is a, a hard conversation around our Thanksgiving dinner table. But uh, well right. said, well said. They George. can do co-ops. They can do uh, all sorts home of things. learnings. Uh, anyway. We've got a, a call caller. in. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a caller. Let's see what they have to say. Uh, welcome to the Ask the Preacher program. Who do we have here? You, am I on? Uh, I can barely hear you. Go ahead and, and talk again. Uh, okay, my name is Rick. Hey, Rick. I have, a I have a question. Okay. What happens to believers when they die? Do they stay in the, I mean, grave or whatever until Christ returns because it says the dead in Christ will rise first? Or do they go straight to heaven? Uh, if if that's the case, then who's going to rise when Christ returns? That's, yeah. a, that's a great question. Uh, I have my views on it. Uh, I think 
that uh, when it talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first, it's clearly a reference to our Baptist brothers and sisters. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. I love, I love our Baptist brothers. They're great. I can't believe you went there. I know, but it was funny. And that's what we're, you know, and complete joke and a complete joke. But the real answer, I I think it's pretty interesting. You you got a couple of different clues in the Bible. Uh, The the scriptures tell us to be absent uh, from the body is to be present with the Lord. Notice the separation of uh, the body and, and, and who we are as a, as a person. Right. Notice that. Right. Uh, but then you also have this scenario, so that's one thing to keep in mind. You also have this scenario uh, where in Revelation we see the saints of God crying out under the altar of God, how long until you avenge us, O Lord? And so they're in this place called the altar of God, and lots of people speculate where that is or what it is, but I think it's pretty obvious. Where was God himself slain on earth? Uh, he was slain on Calvary. It's literally his altar is, is uh, Mount Calvary. And so... Uh, you also have Jesus not giving a fictitious story. He wasn't giving uh, one of his fictitious parables where it's nameless characters. He specifically mentioned Lazarus being in what's called the bosom of Abraham. And so uh, we could probably do a whole show about this, but I think my opinion is when we die, you go to one of two places. You either go to Sheol, which is a place of uh, torment, torment, on one side, or you go to paradise, which is the other side, uh, which is in the ground, in the earth, and someday the dead in Christ will rise, and we who remain will be caught up with him, and in the twinkling of an eye be translated uh, and have new heavenly bodies. And Jesus mentioned, you know, he's preparing a place for us so that where he is, we might also be. So I think right now when people die, your physical body goes on the ground, becomes worm food, and you either go to a place of torment until you're eventually cast into the lake of fire with sin and mm-hmm. hell and death, the final or ju- you go to paradise uh, awaiting for the uh, new kingdom to come about. Okay. Okay. And- so, so, par- so paradise and Abraham's bosom are not the, can't be equated to the same thing as heaven. Uh, well, that's where George and I are going to disagree, um, and so. Anyway, this becomes interesting when we get into this sort of thing. Because of the Scripture to be absent from the body, be present with Christ, uh, Old Testament Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, says that, that uh, the Spirit returns to the Lord um, from, whence who, from whom gave it. Um, if we understand the separation of spirit and soul and body, um, the body returns to from dust we were made and to dust we shall return, the body goes back to the earth. Well, what happens to the spirit or to the soul? Um, I believe the spirit goes back to the Father, uh, of who is the Father of spirits. He's the Father of all of light and the Father of all spirits. So when I say that, I literally mean every spirit goes back to him. So what happens to the soul? The soul would go to the place of torment, either Sheol, which hell. So that is certainly where we agree that there is a place of torment. Um, a, a lot of people would like to get rid of the idea of, of hell or an eternal judgment uh, because they just cannot conceive in their mind this idea that a loving God would condemn someone to a place of torment. That just doesn't seem very nice. Well, it's not nice, but he, the nice part of him is he gives us a choice um, to choose whether to go there or whether to go to the other place, which would be heaven. So um, I do not believe in uh, purgatory or a, a waiting 
place that is separate from heaven, but actually we are waiting in the place of heaven until a new heaven and a new earth and a a new change comes about. Um, But so the one constant is this. There is a hell to shun, and there is a heaven to gain. Whether that um, heaven is a place on earth or a place distant, in one sense, does not matter. It is a place of light and righteousness and peace. Uh, And if we want to call it paradise, it would be even related to the ideas and the essence of what we would define as a paradise. It is not a place of torment. It is a good place. Uh, And we get that picture in the story of Lazarus and the rich man um, when both Lazarus and the rich man dies. Um, and um, I'm sorry, the rich man dies, and he, and he goes down into Sheol. He goes down into the place of torment, and he says, unto, uh, says, go and let Lazarus dip his finger in some water and bring it to me. This leprous man, let him dip some water and, and put it on my tongue so I may be quenched uh, from the torment of these flames. We have some very clear pictures uh, there that hell is a place of torment, and that on the other side of a great gulf, some distance away that cannot be passed through, that it is a good place. And so that's the simplicity of it. Um, we could split hairs and, and yeah. probably argue for six days. Yeah, and I, I think that John and I both agree that the most uh, probably important thing is that God will not force you into his presence. And uh, Rich, I hope we answered your question uh, satisfactory enough, or at least gave you enough to chew on for, for your Did own Did you research. have any other thoughts about it? I, well, I have another follow-up question. I'm sure it'll be just as easy as that one. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Uh, do Christians bypass judgment? Because there's the term you're saved, which means like it's a past tense thing. So well, do you go straight to heaven, or do you still got to stand in line and, and get judged? Well, we, we will still all be judged, but that judgment is, is different. Um, we will be all judged according to the works done in our body, whether they be good or bad. Mm-hmm. But when, when you have... Uh, accepted redemption, righteousness through the blood of Jesus by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You pass the judgment of life or death. You have passed into eternal life. So that judgment we miss, we skip. We've, we are judged already, actually, Jesus said, by the word of God that has cleansed us. And so we are judged as righteous. Those who have not received that face that judgment, which ends in damnation. But we are all judged, even the righteous, according to the works done in our body, whether they be good or bad. And um, a word. I, I, there, oh, I wish I had time. Maybe when we, when we come back. There, That's a good question. I want to tackle yeah, when we come back. Yeah, it is back. really good. There are four different words used in the scriptures for judgment. We have a tendency to think of all of them are bad, but I'll say it very shortly. If we were to go before a judge, that doesn't mean you are guilty. It means you are being uh, looked at and examined, right? right? Judgment is taking place. And then when the when you're being weighed in the balance of, of liberty and, and all of that kind of stuff, um, you if you are considered innocent, you are judged not guilty. If you are considered not innocent, you are judged as guilty. And then there is the fourth part where what is the penalty? So there's four different types Nailed of judgments. It. So uh, anyway, one last really comment. Awesome. We got nice go questions, to, man. Got, yeah, great job. We got to go to a quick break. But one last comment, John, you mentioned that there's Sheol, then there's paradise. And in between them is a golf. And it just goes to prove if you ever want to experience what hell is like, go golfing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a joke yeah, again, yeah. folks. Oh. You are listening to Ask the Preacher. You can call in just like Rich and get your questions answered. 
1430. We will see you in just a moment. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered with Jonathan Freed. This program is sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. I didn't jump the gun that time. You're learning patience. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, John. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, great, great call uh, in this in that last segment. And um, you know, folks, there are uh, a whole lot of things that are that are great discussions, mm-hmm. and um, and and you find a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, great talking points in Scripture and a lot of answers yeah. and, and all sorts of things. Um, but really, really important to recognize that there are things, I, I call them peripherals. Um, it's not that they don't matter, but they don't matter the most. Yeah. And, and what matters the most is uh, a person's relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so that's why in one sense I, I, I work to hone that the answer down, and that is there is a hell there is a heaven. Yep. Um, there are many ways to go to hell. Jesus said so. Wide is the gate that leads, or the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way. Very constricted and tight is the Few. way that leads. Few, Few there be that find that. Many find the wide, open gate of destruction. Few find the narrow, constricted way of life. Um, to be more specific, Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth, and he is the only life. No one gets to the Father. No one comes to the Father yeah, uh, except through Him. The only thing I'd add to that, just as a little side, is uh, yes, it, it, it is Jesus, but one of the most important things is defining who Jesus is. I mean, Jesus even asked that all the time. Who do you say I am? Who do you say yeah. I am? Um, because there's a lot of people, they have their idea of Jesus, their version of Jesus, uh, and it's just not the biblical Jesus. Uh, let me give you an example. You guys listening to the radio, you ladies listening to the radio, let's do a little experiment. I'm thinking of an actor. He's a male actor, um, somewhere between five and six foot. I'm going to play with you for just for a okay. moment because of okay. a, because of a particular movie that I cannot announce the name that uh, we're playing at, at the church next Thursday. But how do you know he was a male? How do you know there's a woman? How do you know that's a woman that's listening? That's, that's true. So if you have those questions as to maybe uh, what is a man, what is a woman, um, we might be able to, to, to help you next uh, next Thursday evening at uh, 7 o'clock at yeah. Believer's Fellowship. Yeah, that was a good but but the, uh, the analogy here is uh, it's an actor. He's got uh, you know brown hair. He's in a lot of movies. His first name is Tom, and, of course, I'm thinking of Tom Selleck. No, uh, I'm thinking of Tom... Uh, uh, Cruz. No, no, I'm thinking of Tom Hanks. So a lot, oh. of the, a, lot of the characteristics, a lot of the characteristics might be the same. Even the backstory might be similar, but who it is that is different. Good, and so th- there's a lot of people, they'll say Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, or Jesus is you know just a man who evolved. No, no, Jesus, according to the Bible, is the uncreated God, Yahweh, yes. who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and so it's important to know who he is, define it, and then are you trusting his work on the cross to be your payment, your judgment payment, for violating God's law? We have another caller on the line. Caller, thank you for joining us. What is your name? James from Auburndale. James, James from, from Auburndale. Auburndale. Hey, uh, I guess this is a pick on John Day. <laughs> <Okay>. Perfect. <laughs> Best day, um, day ever. Pertain, yeah, pertain to the uh, public school system comment that you made. Uh, back in the 60s, I, was, I had I some godly, comment, godly yeah. teachers that I was so grateful to have. Yeah. But at this time and this day and hour, uh, our whole complete 
school board system, the whole nine yards needs to be overhauled. Yes. My proposal to you is how not instead of just uh, get people, you know, kids out of the public school system, how about keeping them in and get some godly teachers, parents to go into, and plus they can be able to teach the kids, and plus they even get paid for it. And I'll hang up and listen to your so, response. Yeah, so that was, that was uh, myself, George, who actually I am vehemently against public schools personally. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... so but to, to James's uh, statement there, I actually, um, this is John now, I actually agree with you wholeheartedly uh, of a both-and approach. Um, matter of fact, we brought in a constitutional attorney one time to the church uh, a year or so ago, and uh, we had a, a session about five hours long of constitutional discussion, uh, schools, uh, problems in America, da 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 da, da. Um, they are massive proponents of take everybody out of the school, abolish the system, that kind of stuff. And and I get that in one sense. Well, I, I, I stood against that in, in this regard, very similar to how you were saying, James. I believe we need a mass exodus of children and a mass inrush of teachers, administrators, leaders, uh, bus drivers, you know, of the adults. I believe we need a mass exodus of students. So, in other words, take your kids out of public schools, put them in a safe space. <laughs> no, in a godly safe. That's what I was joking with the uh, – anyway. Um, but a mass inrush of, of teachers that are godly, righteous people. I believe the same – the reason why I believe that is because we saw – what happened to government when the church for the last 40 years started saying, oh, that's not a domain that we should be involved in. Uh, let's let politics and government take care of itself. Let's just stay in our own little holy yeah. huddles. And now we see the end result of that. We will have the same result, and we have had the same result in schools. I just think we have a little more um, dependency on the education system. Unfortunately, we have much dependency Correct. upon the education system. We need to exit our students, inrush uh, teachers. And uh, this is George. James, to answer your, your question from my perspective is uh, Thomas Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, and he was the first one to propose a Department of Education and actually made the Bible a textbook in our education system. Um it's been said that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other little statement here. There is no organization on the earth that is capable of screwing things up as well as the government. Um, <laughs> Ronald Reagan famously said the nine famous words, uh, the most terrifying words in, in the English the language government. is, I'm from the federal government and, and I'm, I'm here to help. help. And so I am not against um, private schools. I am not against homeschooling. I think when you get the government involved in indoctrinating and training your children how to be subservient to the government, that is exactly what you will get. People who are subservient to the government and will wear diaper cloths over their face and put experimental shots into their body uh, just because somebody on TV tells them to. Yeah. So in the meantime in – the, while we have these systems – School vouchers are a great idea. Yeah, school vouchers. And that's right. Let your tax – Dollars go to the student and then fund private schools that will be fantastic places for these kids. COVID was terrible. It caused destruction all over the world in various ways. Uh, too many for us to enumerate, uh, not just health, but it caused all sorts of destruction all over the world. And so the pandemic, <clears throat> with an L. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> 
I speak truth. <laughs> How dare um, you speak truth? When when that thing came about, there are some blessings that came in disguise. Mm-hmm. When school went online, teacher, I'm sorry, when school went online, parents got a window inside the classroom. They got to see the type of stuff that was being taught to this to their own kids. And so it's only a year later. And you see literally across the nation nearly a third of students being taken out of the public school system. Yeah. That's how bad it was. That's, this is, that's not gradual. That's sudden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so here in Central Florida, we say, well, look at all these, all these extra students in school. That's because so many people have moved to our state, not because there yeah. hasn't been an exodus. Our private schools have waiting lists that are a year and two years long. It's absolutely amazing. Folks. I hope you have enjoyed today's program. I hope we've been a blessing and a help to you. Is it over with already? It, it's over with already. Right. Almost 6 o'clock. You've been listening to Ask the Preacher with John and George. Um, we are from Believers Fellowship Church. We'd like to invite you just to come check us out. But more importantly, uh, we want to help you in your walk with God. If you don't know God through Jesus Christ, we want to be there for that. Uh, we want to see you experience health and healing and, and the vibrancy of life that only Jesus can give Um, You can visit us in person, but in order to find out how to do that, you might just visit us online first at believersfellowship.com. Thursday, that's a free event? Thursday is a free event. Oh, okay. So uh, come check it out Thursday at what time? Thursday at 7. 7 o'clock, Believers Fellowship. Uh, George, do you know what a woman is? Uh, What is a woman? What Hmm. is a Hmm. woman? What is a woman? Is That's a, a great woman. question. What was that time again? Uh, free movie Thursday free movie. night uh, at, at Believers uh, yeah, okay. Fellowship. Yeah, Thursday, yeah. seven o'clock. We will see you then. Askthepreacher.com. We'll see you next week.